0: Hey buddy, do you like NASCAR? Do you like a tribe called Quest? Well, you gonna love the Urban Conservative. Do you like sandwich and nachos? Well, then you'd love the Urban Conservative. Do you like guns? Do you like butter? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Yo, what's good, sir? You like bulls say? You like solving Sudoku puzzles? Then you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Hey, buddy. If your car making a sound like this, you might want to get you some power steering fluid and check out the Urban Conservative podcast. Are you repulsed by the idea of drag queen story time at your local library but enjoy Carol Baskin TikTok memes? Then you would enjoy The Urban Conservative. Do you want to slap your boss and then go home and make yourself some golden brown pancakes covered in butter and freshly made warm boysenberry berry syrup? Then you'll love The Urban Conservative. Little over Cardi B and you repulsed by the thought of Hogmar, check out the Urban service you ready? <laughs> if you think the earth is flat and always on that weird side of YouTube, check out the urban service They'll set you straight. <laughs>
1: If you're in a chasing dopey and you love south and the festival check out the urban conservative
0: all right peace and love everybody you are tuned into the urban conservative podcast i'm one half of the urban conservative raheem architect soto shout out to my twin brother do ali who is currently doing the chairman's work down in Cabarrus County, North Carolina. Shouts out to the whole North Carolina. As usual, please let us know where you're watching from. Get in the comments section. We really appreciate it. And before uh, we bring on today's guest, I want to share this with you guys. Uh, June 19th, Saturday, June 19th, the Urban Conservative will be live. We are going to be coming live to you from Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, doing From Chaos to Conservatism. You can get your tickets, tuclive.eventbrite.com. Shouts out to the Marketplace uh, Restaurant. They have a small business spotlight video up on our page right now. So shouts out to the whole team at the Marketplace and everybody out in Pinehurst uh, and, and, and the whole Moore County that support us. Uh, much love to you guys, and, and we really appreciate it. But please go over to the website, tuconservative.com. You can click on that flyer. You can get a ticket. It includes your meal and your beverage. You get to come kick it with us. We're going to have some raffles. We're going to have a good time that night. So once again, that's Saturday, June 19th, 2020. I also want to shout out all of the Blexit groups from here to California. You guys are doing a wonderful job. We really appreciate you guys and what you're doing. Shouts out to the New York team for shout uh, for getting back at me. Um, we got some interesting things with Blexit New York coming up. So don't worry, New York. We're working on turning New York red. And uh, we're going to be persistent with that. Today's an interesting show for me. Um, As you guys know, you have to get behind the paywall to get to our blog. And today, uh, I I think it's going to be an excellent show. We're going to have one of our blog contributors on. And without further ado, let me just bring the brother on. Uh, Let me click on this, click on that, do some clicking. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to bring the brother Sky Harris on to the urban conservative ah, screaming noise. We got to get a sound effects button, Scott. We, 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 we working on it though.
1: <laughs> What's going on? I'll take it as it is. Thanks for having me on Raheem.
0: Yo, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and um, hold on. Let's get some names up here. So we're not looking crazy. Names. There you go. We got, we got names. So um, there you go. So listen, first segment. Uh, I really, I want people to get a background to who Scott Harris is. Where do you come from? Uh, how'd you grow up? And then we'll kind of get more into some, quote unquote conservative stuff. And I also forgot to mention this show, as we always say to you guys, these are our personal views. These are the things that we feel or we talk about. This does not reflect the views of any employers, groups that we're a part of, organization, Republican committees, etc. These are our views. So don't go back trying to cancel us because it's something we say on the, on the show here on the platform. I'll try it anyway,
1: man. I don't even say I don't know why you bother. They're going to try. It. I,
0: I, I have to. I have to. <laughs> just, just better save the sorry. Right. But, right. but please uh, tell the, law tell has been the,
1: checked. the legal yeah. parts been checked.
0: There you go. So just just bring us into uh, young Scott. Who is Scott Harris? Where you come from? Um, and, and just bring us up to today. Where you at now?
1: Well, sure. Um, well, I really appreciate you having me on. Basically, I'm a I'm a hardcore conservative Christian patriot. I've been raised in a family of the same. Um, I played the the liberal wander off game when I was in a film school in Los Angeles and tried to you know figure out how I could be smarter than my parents and inevitably. Like all wise people, they were right. I ended up coming back to conservatism later in life. Um, young Scotty was uh, you know, kind of a cowardly kid, a real intellectual guy who liked to read a lot of books and uh, you know, sit on the sand while everybody else played in the surf. And I uh, wasn't a big fan of that guy, so I kind of kicked him to the curb and I tried to become who I am now, which is someone with a little bit more courage, a little more outspoken, someone who stands up for conservative principles and for this country. And so that's why I'm so vociferous in my opinions and that's why you know I tend to be a walking flamethrower,
0: which I enjoy. I enjoy it. We need. I think we need more people <laughs> like that. Uh, you said you you dabbled in the film industry a little bit. Did you? Mm-hmm. While you were doing that, did you? Were you aware of your level of conservatism at that time? That you were able to notice how far left that industry is.
1: You know, I I only had my parents to gauge things on, and so a lot of my beliefs were kind of wonky. I didn't really have a set foundation. Um, I was trying to kind of establish my own truth in reality, and as we know, that's that's not a thing. There's the truth, and then there's your truth, and the truth tends to win. But I um, I was I was I was like most young people who went to college. I was being indoctrinated. Um, I was trying to outsmart my parents because that's what young people do. They always think they have the right answer, and the parents must be idiots. Um, And then, you know, the more time I spent in LA and the more time I spent in that industry, the more I began to realize that all of the little axioms and nuggets of truth had been given me for years were actually true. And that a lot of the things that people hold dear sort of in the liberal intelligentsia, most of it's just rank nonsense. It's just not, it's not even academic, it's just nonsense. And it's mostly based on feelings or corruption, this idea that if we say a thing enough times and we get the young people to believe it, then it becomes truth. And luckily, I had been given a really good classical education by my parents. I was homeschooled um, for most of my childhood. And as a result of that, I had to read a lot of really high-end literature. I had to read stuff that was way beyond my grade level. And uh, they just assumed I would rise to the challenge. And I did. It wasn't, it wasn't particularly difficult. You know, it's, believe it or not, if you give kids the opportunity to shine and you don't tell them that they're stupid, they tend to do better than you think. Mm. Um, But uh, that gave me a lot of exposure to a lot of classical literature that a lot of schools simply just don't teach anymore. You know, I was reading things like picturesque America volumes one through four. And if you ever wanted to put yourself to sleep faster, that is the fastest way to do it. It is literally a line by line, mile by mile description of the geography of America written by a guy who's like basically trying to be a poet. I mean, Mm -hmm. every field and stream between, you know, Rhode Island and here I have read about and then on top of that, you know, the sea to shining sea sort of all these declarations of independence, all this glorification of America from 1776 on, as well as the classics, you know, I read a lot of Marcus Aurelius meditations, I read a lot of stuff that comes from the sort of uh, the classical Greeks. And so I had a really good foundation of the Judeo Christian backing that we sort of formed America on, you know, I was reading Adam Smith when I was in junior high. So A lot of the stuff I read, a lot of the things I see now coming from this quote-unquote smart folks that were my college uh, professors is really just trash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's trash. I mean, the the things they believe now, like critical race theory or postmodernism, these are all new outgrowths of people who really don't – not only do they not believe in this country, they actually hate it, but they're not even qualified to be academics by the classical definition.
0: No, Scott, I call them smart guys, but they're not very intelligent. A smart person can read a book. Any smart person can read a fact and then recall it. But it takes a level of intelligence to figure out kind of where that's going. And I, and real quick, you mentioned homeschooling. I want to give a big shout out to all of our school choice advocates and all our homeschoolers. We homeschool Noah. It's a big deal, and and to watch um, that environment, watch that you know to see him versus how he came home from the regular school and bulliers and all these, all these different things. I think homeschool is when done right, (laughs) when done right Mm -hmm. is, I think it's a really good, you know, a really good thing. So shout out to all the homeschoolers and all the uh, school choice and parent choice advocates. Um, You, you mentioned reading, how important is, is even as grown folks, we could talk about the kids, but I noticed on the left, a lot of, a lot of, The majority, I'd venture to say over 75% of these people are functionally illiterate.
1: I would agree, actually. Um, Well, look, to give you some perspective, I did what's called the Robinson curriculum. And it was this um, this ex-scientist and his wife that decided that the mainstream schooling and educational system, the core foundations were off and that the statistics were not making him very happy. And this was back in the 90s. And so he came up with a curriculum that was going to focus on the three primary pillars, he called them. It was mathematics, literacy, and then reading. And then you could do sort of like an hour of your own subject matter, and you would do those at a month at a time. So if you got a burr up your butt about meteorology, that could be your extra subject. But what he wanted to do is he wanted to create critical thinkers. And so the curriculum was basically you spend an hour doing really difficult math that you had to do yourself, and then you had to do... You know, an hour and an essay, it could be about anything, but you had to do an essay every single day. So I've wrote hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of random dross growing up because that was what was required. And then you had to do two hours of required reading from a CD-ROM kit that they gave you. And this featured a lot of very hand-selected stuff, like I mentioned before. So I spent most of my childhood, when I was being homeschooled, reading the classics, critiquing and interpreting them, writing essays on this stuff and then doing very difficult mathematics and i'm not a particular i'm not really a math guy but this setup i think is an extremely wise one because it focused on the three primary things you need to basically do everything else um i mean if you can understand how to critically think and read you can figure science out and if you have enough mathematical background you can figure out the more difficult aspects of it so this guy kind of had a really smart way of doing things And he always advocated for a lot of um, outside time as well, you know, make the kids do sports, have them participate in groups, you know, make sure that they're out there and getting healthy, that they're not just sitting in the house all day long. So contrast that now with what we have now, where we have people who use Marcus Aurelius and they're thinking like, is that a guy from a movie? Like, is that a character? I think I saw a Roman movie once. Like, they don't understand the references anymore. You know, it used to be when, like, you know, back in, like, the crossfire days, you and I are actually old enough to know about this. We're dating ourselves here. But, like, you know, we used to actually have, like, these intellectual conversations between the left and the right, and they were pretty formidable because everybody had the same foundation. Now you're seeing people arguing online about things that they don't even really comprehend. They don't have the the foundation academically to have these high-level discussions, and yet they're dictating policy for the whole world.
0: Yeah, it's a little scary, honestly, um, because we have we have leadership, quote unquote, leadership, and uh, and and like I said, these people are functionally illiterate. I, I I can tell you here in New York, speaking to certain quote unquote leaders and politicians, they don't have a clue.
1: Um, you know, I don't
0: claim to have the best vocabulary in the world. Is I think that vocabulary is like an ongoing learning thing,
1: right? But, yeah, but it makes you relatable, though. I mean, most people like, are going to be I mean, like you, and they're not going to be like me in a walking thesaurus, so.
0: I mean, but Scott, these people are in leadership positions and it's that they, they can't hold the conversation. They don't, they, you know, the, the limits of what we can talk about. We're very limited when dealing with leadership of what we can talk about or concepts that we can present to them that would ha- better help them relate to their constituency. And I, I think that's just a terrifying notion that, um, you know, leadership, people that are steering the direction and creating policy and enforcing policy aren't aren't. More than functionally literate, it's it's just terrifying to me.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's a result of it's it's like you're saying about I was in the Hollywood culture, and one of the things I very quickly realized was is that most of the people that we hold on a pedestal that are put up there for us to worship or to follow or to be our thought leaders, most of them are just actors who aren't particularly bright. I mean, they're really good at being evocative of portraying emotions, of getting the right point across with a little bit of coaxing and directing. But at the end of the day, most of them are just empty vessels. Mm. They're there to get paid, to promote the corporate message that they've been told to promote. And they also are really good at holding up their finger and seeing which way the wind blows, mm. which politicians are no different at this point. They're basically indistinguishable from actors. So who you follow is really important now. And we really have to take advantage of the fact that we have the internet, that we have places like you who offer alternative points of view, because the mainstream message is basically just a bunch of empty vessels preaching in unison you know hail the left
0: yes it's terrifying ladies and gentlemen if you're watching on facebook or you're watching on youtube right now we're talking with scott harris uh like he said he's a patriot he's a very good brother Uh, contributor to the blog, we're going to get into that. But again, I want to remind you guys, hit the notification bell on YouTube on Facebook so you're not only following us, but you know when we go live and we're bringing content to you, really important. And I want to remind everybody on the ticker below, tuc.eventbrite.com. We got TUC Live, the Urban Conservative Live coming to Pinehurst. Get your tickets now because space is limited because it's just limited. It's what we're doing. Um, Scott, I want to go back to something really quickly that you mentioned and then we'll kind of you know, talk about some, some issues related stuff. Um, Do you, do you foresee things getting better? Um, And do you think there's a way that we on the right? uh, Cause I don't like the echo chamber. I don't like to talk to a bunch of conservatives because we all agree already. Right. So what, what are some of the ways you think that we can start to engage the people on the left? In a non-aggressive, like I feel like we need to be aggressive, but then I feel like they just shut down because it's so emotional. They're so emotionally connected to things. So, from your perspective, what are some of the things that we can do to start to engage the people that we know aren't intellectually as I'll say thirsty as us to want to to want to educate ourselves? How do we? How do you think we can start to do that a little better?
1: It's a really good set of questions. Um, I'll try to answer them in in order. Yeah. Um Do I see a brighter future? Not immediately. Um, I think the, the sort of cliche it gets darkest before the dawn. I think that's where we're gonna have to go. I think history proves that. Um, if you look at the rise and fall of empires, if you look at the way politics tends to hash out, there's never like a steady equilibrium over a long period of time. There's always this sine wave of trauma and upheaval and revolution. So if you're looking at America right now, we're probably the most divided we've ever been in terms of our culture, but we're relatively stable at the moment when it comes to actual like warfare. Um, A lot of people could disagree with me in terms of China, but I won't get into that. The point is, is that we have a culture that's extremely divided and that basically considers itself to be in a soft civil war. And that's how I view it. So how does that get better? Does everybody just sort of magically sit down one day and say, "We're, we're really tired of arguing on the internet. You're cool, I'll respect your opinion. I'll have my opinion, we'll go back to normal. That's not how anything works. Once the blood gets this hot, it goes to the mattresses to quote the Godfather. I mean, it is one of those types of things where sooner or later, Something's going to pop off somewhere, and if you look at the riots, if you look at the condoned terrorism of Antifa, and the way that you know people like Jerry Nadler and the, our current executive branch leader, the president of the United States, the free world is basically pretending that Antifa is just an idea while they're burning down Portland as we speak. All right, that's not just going to sit well with most people, right? So something's going. On, people. you know and and you know turn this into something serious like the revolution and then you've got other people on the other end of the spectrum saying no 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 that's ridiculous like this is a war of rhetoric this is fifth column warfare so you don't you don't get to this level of temperature and not have something boil over the pot so hopefully this won't result in a lot of violence but i mean honestly from the way things look something will and hopefully, like to quote the Christopher Nolan Batman movie, it's like extreme examples shake people out of their apathy. Huh. I think what Donald I think what Donald Trump did for politics was really interesting because not only did he unmask all of the corporate cronies and all the phonies in media and that sort of thing and basically call them out for who they were, but they flipped out and they revealed themselves because they were too weak to to keep the mask on under that level of pressure. So he revealed to everybody how much of a wwe manufactured ridiculous show the whole thing was right. and so now everybody's involved in the circus because it's interesting to them you know i've met a ton of people like you who are actually fairly bright folks but you know they're they're, they're normal folks they're not super interested in being like politically activist or, or getting out there and having like a politician you know take a picture with them like they don't care about that kind of stuff they're just more interested in their day-to-day life but now everybody's engaged in politics because everybody's in vegan politics into everything I mean, right. if you look at the MLB, you look at the NBA, you can't even watch a you can't even play a video game anymore without having some kind of weird woke BS like shoehorned into it. So everybody has now become a part of this fight because they're sick of their personal life being trampled on by stuff they didn't care about. So I think as a result of all those factors, you've basically got an ideological civil war going on in America. And it's just a question of who wants freedom more and who wants control more. Because those are, those are the two opposing factions, the ones that want to control your life and the ones that want things to go back to what they were. You're not going to have either. You're going to get something new out of the mix. Right. There's going to be a conflagration and there's going to be something new that comes from the end of it. And what I'm hoping will come will be some kind of restoration, some kind of constitutionally minded, mind your own business. Let's get back to freedom. Let's get back to basic core principles in America so that we don't have this happen again yeah i I agree. and i'll I'll ask this question too. Uh, as much as I
0: study, and i I feel like the best the best way to be is to always remain a student. Like when you feel like you've mastered something, I think mm. it's a bit egotistical to get to the point where you fit I'm not everything. certain things sure you can get to a level of proficiency where you're a master of it. but in life in general, like generally speaking, I think to remain a student is extremely important, right? One of the things I notice is that, the left doesn't realize historically how dangerous this Marxist socialist ideology actually is, number one. And number two, people are under the impression, and you could kind of, you know, take the statement and go where you want to go with it, but I think people are under the impression that things happen quickly. Like, they, I don't think people realize we're in the shaping of the future and what it's going to look like. So, so like, socialism like uh the Lenin, the, the linen style government the 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 Mao Zedong's these these things didn't happen in one day they were set up and it took 10 12 15 years in some circumstances for the for the end result to materialize yeah. do you think we could possibly be headed for for that level of tyranny in America and if if you do think we're headed that direction what can we do to fight it like what how do we combat that Marxist idea like for BLM to say that we're trained Marxists, and nobody's flipping out besides us on the right. I mean, do you th- do you think we're actually headed that direction? That in the future we'll be looking back like this is where America fell. Mm.
1: I sometimes I wonder that myself, honestly. Um, mm. I mean, when you look at when you look at these countries like Venezuela and uh, talked in there, you know, they'll get this faraway look in their eye, and they'll kind of get like a tear. And they'll say you know it used to be paradise it used to be this great country we used to have access to all these things it was a great great nation, nation's beautiful place it was paradise on earth and then those of us who were sort of aware of what was shifting in the political winds and in the cultural sphere we're trying to kind of put a stop to it but there just wasn't enough people engaged and now look at them right it's a joke it's become a turning point usa talking point look they're eating dogs look at venezuela and their corrupt elections and everyone even on the left is like yeah, that place is falling apart but we should do the same thing wouldn't that be great so with that level of cognitive dissonance i don't know that you can save some people i think some lemmings need to fall off the cliff and have a nice splash before they figure out what they've done uh, and you know one of the things too is you were asking me before how do you get people involved who are average, who are just not really interested in politics, who don't really know that there's a war going on? Like, why should I care? I've got I've got bills to pay. Like, huh? You know, um, do I really need to make Candace Owens more money? Like, what does this have to do with me? Well, the way it has to do with you is, is that every single thing in your life that you hold dear will get challenged and taken from you by the left if you let them. And so this is one of those things where you don't really have a choice anymore, They've pushed so hard culturally, they've pushed so hard in terms of how you view everything from children and gender to education, that it's, it's almost like they've tried to create a pseudo-reality for us to live in, and you're either just going to swallow it because you don't want to deal with the backlash, or you're going to fight back. And I think what's going to have to happen is enough people get pissed off and get a burr up their butt and actually stand up and grow a spine before anybody actually makes a difference. But the reality is, is and this is where I don't want to be bleak, but if you look at history, there's usually not enough freedom fighters. There's usually not enough people who grow a spine. The Alex Joneses get marginalized early on because they're too extreme, and then everybody looks back at him 10 years later, and, like, you know, he was, like, 60%. He
0: he, he was on to something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, like, turn on the frogs gay, and then the frogs turn gay. I mean, it's like, who saw that coming, you know? And because you look at a guy like him – and you think, is that what the right is? I don't really want to be associated with that. That's not going to get invited to parties. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not going to be a party, right? <laughs> you know, 10, 20 years down the road, it's just going to be you living in a tent under some bridge somewhere, waiting for your government stimmy, wondering how the heck did this happen. Right. They, right. And, and people don't and people don't like that kind of hyperbole because they've never experienced that kind of thing before. And mm-hmm. something experienced is something that isn't real to them. Right. But that's why we read books. That's why we have history. That's why we have mandatory reading. That's why things like Alexander Solzhenitsyn should be required reading for every high schooler. The Gulag Archipelago, it'll fundamentally transform the way you view communism and socialism. But not enough people even know what that book is or who that guy is, much less be able to say his name out loud correctly. Right. So with that kind of, With that lack of education in the greatest country in the world where we have a supercomputer in our hands at any given moment that can give us access to this information and we spend it looking at memes is that a civilization that can save itself? I don't know. And that's why I, I'm so aggressive.
0: Right, I feel you. I I sometimes scroll through Tik uh, like Instagram mm-hmm. and I see these random videos and I'm like we have entirely too much time on our hands as a country for things to be the way they are. Like I I'm looking at most of these young people and sure you want to have fun and I don't want to sound like the old grumpy guy that, oh you guys and your memes and your fun no I'm not saying it like that, but I'm mm-hmm. saying there's entirely too much of it for the future to be even something we're going to be able to recognize. And, and being that's just so well read, I want to throw a concept out there to you and see get your take on this. Let's hear it. I've been telling people in our little circle and our you know group of people that come to us for information, I say to them, listen, history is definitely a cycle. History repeats itself with small nuances. So would it be safe to say that We're repeating a lot of the downfalls, let's say, from like a Roman empire to use one of the latest empires. Right. The debasement of the currency, the the celebritizing of chefs. And there's other factors. But would that be a safe like, how do you feel about that statement that we're we're actually repeating the mistakes of previous empires that are no longer here?
1: I, I'd say you're absolutely right. the The trick is, is like what was the old quote? It's like history doesn't repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. Is we're we're making the mistakes of a lot of different cultures. Mm. You know, uh, for instance, America's kind of a big experiment. I don't think a lot of people realize because they've grown up in the stability and the uh, the plenty that is the American, you know, republic. But that this is really young. It's really different, and it's never been done before. The multiculturalism aspect, the sort of laissez-faire capitalism, the, uh, the sort of Adam Smith style economics theory, all this stuff that we were founded on where, you know, each man has a right to certain things given to him by God and that property is king, you know, and that people have the ability to defend themselves, they can critique the state. I mean, these are all completely new concepts. You know, you see little bits of it here and there throughout history, but never to the degree that we've had it. So people just kind of assume that these rights are something that they're going to get. Well, guess what? You you ascribe to Marxism and socialism and all that goes out the window. And uh, I think a lot of people have just been so frustrated and so indoctrinated that they're willing to take whatever scraps they can get from their overlords, as long as it sounds better than what they've currently got. Uh, you know, One of the things I realized when I was talking to a lot of college students and a lot of liberals out in California is that not only are they not... Like, not only are they wildly uninformed, they have no interest in knowing more. As long as you keep them fed and as long as you give them enough social currency, they'll pretty much do whatever you tell them to do. They'll happily go live in some weird third world concrete. Every building's the same. I'll wear the same outfit as long as it's state approved. Get my North Korean nine haircuts for men option as long as they get fat and happy and they don't have to stress about it. Hmm. They do- want the responsibility they don't want to govern themselves they don't want to have personal responsibility they just want the state to say you can do this you can do that and you get to have a five-course meal and be praised as a celebrity they're in it for themselves they're mercenary and so personal responsibility demands that we do more that we're willing to sacrifice more for the real bounty and flavor that is freedom And this is just something I think that is lost on a lot of people because they're so busy trying to figure out their credit card debt or how they're going to pay off that new auto loan that they forget that all of the things undergirding that are going to be gone soon. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you're watching the Urban Conservative. I want to thank everybody in the comment section. We're talking to Scott Harris, who is a contributor to the TUC blog, to the Urban Conservative blog. Do us a favor, go get a membership so you can check out the latest article he wrote. There's a sample of it on our Instagram, on our Twitter. Um, Please just go check it out. We really appreciate it. Again, get in the comment section. Let us know. I see a couple of comments here, and I want to pull up one. Uh, Critical thinking is seriously lacking in college today. More focus on enforcing emotional level thinking. It's super difficult to have conversations with someone that is only emotionally connected to their position on pick your subject. Great point, Scott. So awesome, Dusty. Thank you for the comment. We appreciate it. Uh and then we got another comment here that says we got to stand up for our future. That's absolutely correct. Um, okay, hold on. Let's see, we got another comment here that says Scott is cute. Ha 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 ha. Oh, thank you, Zega, for the comment. Appreciate it. She's, She's biased. She's biased. She's biased. Yeah, that's okay. So um I I, I want to go in a in a direction here because critical thinking is like my favorite thing to do. I, I tell people, and I don't know if you're gonna agree with this, it's a skill. Like any other skill, yeah. you have to develop it. It's not something you you just, I'm going to do critical thinking. No, it requires, you have to sometimes think about the fact that you're thinking about something. And I, I try to get people to understand um, that's a thing. You, you know what I mean? So in the hierarchy of um, psychological behaviors, if you will. And I don't know if I'm wording that the right way, but on your scale, how high up is critical thinking versus let's say emotionality and all this other nonsense that we're taught?
1: Mm, but now you're going to get the theological side out of me. Um, I'm with it. Let's go. If we were looking at all the things you're talking about in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There we go. Faith would be at the pinnacle, right? This is God's world. It's a fallen state. We have to you know, and you know, not everybody who's viewing this is a Christian, but this is what I believe. It's his universe, right? He told us it was going to be like this. We have to expect a certain level of resistance. We have to expect a fallen state. So we have to have faith in him no matter how crazy the world gets. That's priority number one. Mm -hmm. Priority number two, on the other hand, is to use the faculties God gave us to use wisdom, discernment, truth to guide our decision making. If we don't have those faculties or we're not well versed in using them or those aren't weapons that we've sharpened, then you're just a dummy reliant on other people to make your choices for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now that's a thing you mentioned—the um, American experiment. One thing that I that I I know is a, a sensitive subject for some people when we talk about multiculturalism. Is there any truth? Because we have some folks that are really left leaning who watch this show. Is it? Is there any truth to the idea that America is still inherently racist? And I, I ask you that. Because I'm in a, I don't even subscribe to race, right? I use a very scientific approach when it comes to race. Race doesn't have an inherent biological meaning. So I opt out. Mm-hmm. But to you, do you think there's any any way that we can look at a country that allows me to be with an Irish Scottish woman? <laughs> like, And like, is there any truth to that idea that we're inherently, like we're at our core a racist nation? Does that make any sense to you?
1: Every time I hear racism or people talking about a racist system, all I'm hearing is the hardest cope I've ever heard. This country has given all of us the ability to do things that our ancestors. I mean, we live in relative safety. We have access to opportunities that are beyond their imaginings. Rockefeller, back in their heyday, lived like our poor, poor, poorest people now. I mean, this is not the same world. Now you could argue that racism still exists and I would agree with you because it's always going to exist. But to lie to people and to tell them that this is a fundamentally racist country is just you not wanting to take advantage of those opportunities because it sounds too hard or to take personal responsibility for your bad decision-making or because you got pulled over by the cops for doing something illegal. It's not because you're black. It's not because you're Asian. It's not because you're white. It's not because everybody else is some percentage of the population and you're not. You live in the freest country in the world blessed by God and given opportunities that people in history worked really hard and bled and died for. It's a stupid cope, and I'm sick of hearing it. Now, here's what I would say, though. If we're trying to be more compassionate and trying to get the left folks to actually listen to what I have to say, as opposed to like want to run at me with a spear, you're not wrong. There's always going to be racism and it's always something that we should address. But until you give me specific examples, I don't want to hear it. It's like telling me so-and-so lied at a party about what? I don't know. He just he just lies all the time. Does he? Where do you just say that because you like to smear his reputation? Like give me specifics. Like until you actually give me something that I can work with, I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, every time somebody shoots somebody because they had a gun in their hand or because they ran from the police is not racist. It is what police are paid to do, right? As a person who works in law enforcement, let me tell you. We get into those situations a lot, and the variance and the variety of people's ethnicities is pretty broad. And let me tell you, we don't particularly care whether it's white, male, or female, or black, or whatever. If it points a gun at us, there's a pretty good chance it's going to get shot. It's just a stupid cope, and I don't know why more people don't get that. It really frustrates me. Obviously this frustrates me. So I'm going to calm down for a second.
0: No, 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 it does. And and I understand because you know what? I, I get angry a lot of the times when I when people make this argument because I'm like, it doesn't fit with objective reality. It doesn't. It, it lacks critical
1: thinking, like you said.
0: It, it doesn't fit. It's like, I wonder, and, and maybe you have a take on this, but I've been asking, I've been asking my girl, I've been asking my brother, I've been asking everybody like, what is the need or what is the mechanism that has people opt out of rationality? It's like we find a reason to be illogical and irrational and I'm trying to search for that, the magic button or where's the lever to revert? Like, how do you reverse this irrational thought? Because if I explain to you that one of the first slave owners in the Americas had his right legally upheld in the court of law was African, to own other black and white people, you then can't come and tell me that the foundation of the country is built on hating black people.
1: Wait. Wasn't the first millionaire an African-American woman who sold like door-to-door cosmetics?
0: Okay, but so I don't understand. Like, I mean, I understand, I'm saying retort. Like, It's weird to me that that when you even give them these facts, when we walk them through the the case or suit, or we walk them through, you know, the historical facts that, you know, we had black, you know, elected representatives is in the AT it it doesn't stick. It's like, oh, you're just coming with the white people talking points. it's, it's so frustrating. You it's Uncle like Dude, you. yeah, yeah you Uncle Tom, and then I'm like, thanks, that's the right one. You gave me the perfect. I'll take that because I because we know where that comes from. so right. uh, I, I wanna actually I wanna read talk- the book.
1: We yeah. actually know what the reference is from
0: right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your last uh blog post with Colorado and, and, and things of that nature. Um, If you can, if you, if you remember off the top of your head, um, can you elaborate a little bit on that and what made you write that? I mean, barring, you know, knowing the situation, but just, just talk a little bit about that last uh, blog entry and I'm gonna pull it up while you're talking.
1: So, so I have a, I have a tendency. What I like to do is I like to feather multiple things in together to show people the bigger, the bigger pattern. Um, you know, a lot of stuff kind of focuses in on one little key thing and tries to get people energized around it. I'm more of a big picture guy. Um, part of the reason I believe what I believe about conservatism is because I took a giant step back and I looked at the world and I looked at history and I looked at everything and I said, okay, here are the patterns. So, with this article, what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about how the situation in Boulder, Colorado, where uh, we basically had a Syrian immigrant—I'm not going to say his name because it's too hard to say—I'll probably cock it up—but uh, he, you know, shot ten people with an Ruger AR-556. That he had purchased from Arvada, I believe, is the name of the city. Um, a, you know, a little what, little while prior, he went to a, what's called the King Supers. I've never been to one. I guess it's a chain out there, and uh, he shot up primarily a bunch of white people. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it's not so much just another cut and dry tragedy mass shooting. Um, you basically had everybody online jumping out of their pants to get on the narrative of, oh, it was another white guy with an AR-15. Well, it turns out that he was just real pasty, but he was actually Syrian. But everybody got over their skis because they didn't have his name released yet in the news reports. So everybody went online and started furiously typing away about how this was just another example of white supremacism, white hate, uh, scary black rifles need to be controlled and all the usual talking points. But as soon as they released who the guy actually was, you watch them all kind of like Homer Simpson disappear into the weeds. And <laughs> um, naturally, Republicans bounced. And I was one of them. Because this is the kind of thing that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it makes me furious because we know their game. They know their game. And we, they know we know their game. And so it just becomes one of these constant back and forth like a ping pong match. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to point this out because people are very easily influenced by their emotions and the left thrives on low information voters. They thrive on using that against you. If they don't have you up in arms and flipping out and having these emotional responses to these types of things based on your prior biases, then they ain't doing their job. And it's our job to push back on that. And like you said, demand critical thinking to point out the actual facts and to point out the narrative and the jokes and the tools and the methodology that the left uses in order to control us. And I, you know, I I shot out about a 1,500, 1,400 word article about this, and hopefully I got my point across.
0: Uh, You definitely did. And as I just showed, it's about a five-minute read, folks. So uh, I I, want to tell you, Scott, I thank you for taking the time, um, and, and we appreciate We appreciate you. We appreciate Zynga. We got a lot of respect for you guys. And um, I look forward to to, to just keep bringing you on the show and keep getting this out of your head and and allowing us to learn from you because I don't claim to know it all. I I can't stand people who think that they know everything about everything and that they can't learn from anyone. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the platform and and I look forward to more articles from you guys. Uh, What you got going on out there? What you want to let people know? Um, to look out for from you. How can they follow you on Twitter, on Instagram, and all that good stuff? Give them the rundown.
1: Uh, sorry, Z uh, being cute in the background, like always. Um, well, we've we've basically got uh, Z is starting to get to the tail end of her cancer treatments. Uh, that's uh, Nzinga Johnson. For those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, it's my significant other and partner in crime. Um, we are planning on releasing uh down the road not too far i'm going to do another youtube series it's going to be an instructional series based on fear and how to overcome it and give you tangible examples for instance you know fear of the negotiating table fear of approaching women fear of dealing with violence uh fear of confronting family in the past things like that um we'll also be continuing with our two americas uh podcast and youtube show which you can find at two americas um basically just me and i and Certificating about culture, uh, relationship advice, politics of the day, uh, giving you that sort of young millennial um, interracial couple perspective on all the craziness that's going on in the world. Right, right. And uh,
0: yeah, listen, we
1: we 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 in the same situation here in New York. Right. Like Heather's
0: quote unquote white. I'm quote unquote black. So like. We're we we're, we're reverse. We're the we the same guy. We're the same couple we're reverse, right? So yep. I, I enjoy you too. And uh you know what's refreshing, not to get all like schmoozy and you know soft about it, but um I I enjoyed being around Zynga, right? She's a very, very cool person. Like the very first time I met her, I was like. She's mad cold. She had the firearm with her. She's like, I'm not worried about nothing happening out here. We would do it She's like, that's the last thing I'm worried about. And I was at ease because I didn't carry, so I was just really at ease and really cool. You know what I mean? Like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Zynga. uh We're praying for you. We we, we hope the best for you and, and you as well, Scott. I really appreciate you for coming on. We're gonna obviously have you guys back on. We'll have you back on, and and you know. Uh, we Look forward to more articles. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Scott Harris contributor uh, for TUC blog and and writer and, and an intellectual in his own right. Thank you, my brother, for taking the time to come on the platform. We really Thanks appreciate it. Me. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching the urban conservative podcast, do us a favor, hit the notification bell, head over to YouTube, head over to, head over to Facebook, like the page. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers on all of our platforms Uh, We're well over that on Facebook, but as far as Instagram and YouTube is concerned, we're trying to hit that 1K mark over the next couple of weeks. You can help us out by sharing this content, ringing that notification bell. Until next episode, ladies and gentlemen, be well, take care of each other. Reach out to us if you need us. We're here. Peace and love.
1: Take it easy.